0: Today, I'm joined by Paul Pomeroy, CEO of McDonald's UK and Republic of Ireland. Paul, thank you for joining me. It's a great pleasure to have you on our podcast series, The Voice of Leaders. We'll start with your career journey and I'll ask you a few questions, then we'll move on to talk specifically about diversity and inclusion. So, Paul, you started your working life as an accountant, joined McDonald's in 1996 as a real estate analyst in the corporate finance department. And since 2015, you have been the CEO of a business with over 125,000 people, serving 4 million customers every day and nearly 1,400 restaurants. So tell me your story. How did your love affair with McDonald's start?
1: Yeah, so back in 96, as you said, we, um, I was just qualified as an accountant. I qualified in practice. Um, I had an interesting training period at Smith & Williamson through insolvency. Um, At the end of my training period when I qualified, the recession was just ending. It was a recession at the time and work had been very good, Um, but obviously for the economy it was much better that the recession was ending, but not if you worked in insolvency. So I looked to uh, leave practice and we used to read a really exciting weekly journal called Accountancy Age. Um, It's a must read back in the day. Um, And in the back of there, there was job adverts and McDonald's had advertised for a number of accountants and the headline was, like all other blue chips, we expect our accountants to wear pinstripes. And the picture was the bottom of Ronald McDonald's legs, which made me <laughs> smile and laugh. Um, I hadn't really thought about a career at McDonald's. I went along uh, for my first interview. And like you know, most people, I connected with those interviewing me, uh, one of which was Steve Easterbrook um, and also a guy called George Mackay, who was the CFO at the time. And I just got on really well with the people. And then they recruited me as a real estate analyst. Um, and immediately, you know, just connected with the brand and uh, there ever since.
0: So you had a number of roles. You have had a number of roles uh, moving around the organization, uh, covering lots of different uh, functions uh, and then got to the CFO
1: role. Yeah, so if you look at my career, one of the things that um, has probably been a standout for me is A, the amount of opportunities that I've had to move around. And um, I was told by George, actually, the CFO, that no one in McDonald's will ever ask you to butt out um, as an accountant. It's one of the, the things that this, the system has always prided itself on, is to you know, be curious, um, to challenge the status quo and kind of almost interfere in stuff outside of your own sort of direct um, line of report. So I've had numerous roles. Um, every couple of years I moved either sideways or, or upwards um, in different functions. And I, one of the biggest moves I made was I moved sideways in probably sort of 2002, Um, into a new department called Business Strategy, which didn't exist back in the day. Um, And remember when I started, we've only just got laptops, so um, there was no mobile phones and stuff. So I moved sideways into that department and probably that shaped my career because that got me from being kind of a, a, more of a black and white accountant, analysing and looking backwards to someone that was uh, working alongside teams that were developing the future of the brand. So we developed things like the Toasted Deli Sandwich range and wraps and uh, new coffee machines when we moved to Espresso Coffee. So it got me working, um, looking forward, and then taking risks, and then also working alongside departments like marketing and supply chain. Uh, I also met my wife uh, whilst working in, in that department. So yeah, a good move for me.
0: Okay, so w- when you look back at your career, is there anything you wish you had known when you started?
1: It's a really, really good question. So what I'd known I suppose um, I learnt on the way and I think one of the bits of advice I give to people often when I meet people on training courses in East Finchley is that always take the opportunities that are in front of you Um, people get obsessed about getting promoted um, and I learnt over the years probably after about 10 years actually that time frames to getting promoted when you're in the moment feels quite long Um, but getting the experience that means that you've got breadth um, to your um, CV is important so Moving sideways into a different department can be as important as taking that promotion uh, within the same department. And when I moved sideways into business strategy, there was an option to stay in finance, in corporate finance and get promoted, um, which would have got me to the next level quicker. But I saw that the role in business strategy gave me more breadth. More opportunities. Um, Mm. And I suppose that bit you learn as I went, and if I'd known that younger, I may have developed quicker, who knows.
0: And again, looking back, would you have ever imagined you would have stayed with the same company for as long as you have been? So over twenty years.
1: Yeah, Twenty-four years, nearly. Yeah. So no, not at all. So um, again, I get asked, um, both internally and externally, you know, why have you stayed? And firstly, it's it's the culture and the people. I know we come on to talk about the culture, and I'm I'm now proud that I've got the ability to to help shape and evolve that culture. Um, but that was really important to me. I think I found a place where I could myself which was important and be true to who I wanted to be and um, but also then the opportunities Um, you know working in an environment where you weren't held back um, some of my colleagues that left practice were waiting for people above them to move on always to get the next level whereas in McDonald's we change structure we evolve and I've always been given those opportunities and then finally it's just the people that you know the people in, inside McDonald's are infectious there's a spirit that existed from day one that still exists today where you know We all pull in the same direction. And I think because we've got franchisees um, that keep us honest um, and they've got long-term commitments, there's a natural long-term focus to the business. And our actual reward and recognition is all long-term focus as well, whether it's LTIP or shares and stuff. So there's there's no short-term behavior within the McDonald's culture.
0: We've also talked about uh, um, not just leaving things at the door. Mm. We've also talked about showing um, vulnerability mm. as, as a leader, and um, you have recently uh, participated in a, an interview that has been published in, in a book about mm. um, resilience yeah. uh, and well-being and mental health. Mm. On the topic of vulnerability, mm. you know, is it, do, do you show your colleagues uh, um, your vulnerability? Is it something that you talk about? issues like yeah. resilience and yeah so
1: for me um, you know I see a psychologist um, for you know, part of my childhood and how I wanted to, to, to be a better dad um, I'm very open internally that I see a psychologist and I think um, the days where you know people in my position should hide that they've got stuff going on that they need help with um, I think are long gone I think it's important as a boss that you show that you have challenges I'm very open about the fact that parenting is tough um, you know, that, you know, it's probably one of the toughest jobs I've ever done is being a dad to two mm-hmm. young boys that are energetic, um, and, and boisterous and all the stuff that comes with that. So I'm very open internally. I'm also, um, a noisy leaver. Um, so I, I, prioritize when I'm not traveling or not out for dinner to make sure that people know that I prioritize leaving to see the boys, um, to help with bath times and, and to do the right stuff as well. My wife works, she's full time. And people often forget that you know when we come on to talk about creating the right cultures that you know for every working you know husband there's a working wife a lot of time as well so making sure that cultures are flexible for both partners is is important to me and but no showing showing that you're human i think is important showing that you care Mm -hmm. um, about yourself your family but also the people that work for you i think is important and my mum always taught me that if you try to treat people the way that you'd want to be treated um, you won't go far wrong in life and I think that carries through right away way up to the job I'm doing now and you know, you know, any any job I do in the future.
0: I was actually going to ask you to talk about my, your mum and I was going to ask you about the most influential people to mm-hmm. you and I, I saw that quote yeah. about your mum saying whatever situation you are in if you treat people with honesty and respect you won't go far wrong. Yeah. So. Does she feature in your list of most influential people? Yeah, so my
1: mum my my was actually up at the weekend. Um, she stayed with, with myself and, and my wife and the boys. And yes, she's definitely very influential. She's a tough lady, um, strong lady. Um, she's very honest with me um, as well, which is important. As you become more senior in the business, you still need people around you, to, you know tell you the truth. Um, a lot of the times in senior positions, people tell you what they want you to hear. Um, or what they think you may want to hear and not always how you really are. So now my mum's a big influence on on me. Um, I'm very close to my sister and obviously my wife is a massive influence as well Mm. uh, on me. And then professionally, um, outside the family unit, we talked about George, who was the CFO when I first joined. I still see George probably once a quarter um, for lunch or dinner. Um, He's retired now, but he's still a huge influence on me. I'll often seek George out for advice. Um, he's very wise Um, Mm. he was someone that actually showed that he when I first joined McDonald's 20 odd years ago he would only work eight till six um, in days when eight till six was probably quite short for for certain cultures Mm. Um, but he would leave religiously at six o'clock and say that we've not finished we can come back tomorrow and he always used to say that Rome wasn't built in a day so yeah but then I surround myself I try to surround myself with Um, advisors Um, because I think again the modern CEO needs people around them to give them advice so I have um, mentors that used to be in in McDonald's that have got the legacy of the culture but then also people that are completely um, separate to the McDonald's culture so my professional coach is a lady called Annette Court Um, who's the chair of Admiral Insurance and she used to work for Direct Line Insurance in Zurich Um, like me she's kind of grown up within certain businesses and got promoted but she's very separate to the McDonald's environment and gives me great advice that's completely different to what certain internal people may want to give you.
0: So, talking about advice, what's the best advice that somebody has given you?
1: <laughs> so, when I, I got a lot of advice when I first got the job. So, when I when I took over five years ago, the, 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 they all said, "Don't muck it up." Um, <laughs> so, it's quite good advice, I suppose. The best advice was from a um, school teacher many years ago, which was. Um, to always try as hard as you can. um, And don't waste your ability. I was a typical boy when I was at the grammar school down in Kent. But my PE teacher at the time, Mr. Weston, was also uh, my maths teacher. And I I found maths um, enjoyable and luckily quite easy. um, But I probably didn't try as hard as I should have done. And Mr. Weston took me one side when I was about 14 and said, you're going to waste your ability um, if you don't try a bit harder. And I think yeah, always turning up um, and trying as hard as you can is something that um, I pride myself on it doesn't mean there's a fear of failure um, I think sometimes people misinterpret that, that you don't want to fail mm. um, I just don't want to fail not trying um, which is very different I think and trying to explain that to my team is important so as people join the team whether they're internal external we do team building days where I, we all explain you know, our upbringing, where we come from but then also explaining what Pleases us, but also what irritates and not trying hard, yeah, um, is something that does irritate me, Mm -hmm. um, especially if we've got a chance to win, yeah. And so, I'm very competitive.
0: (laughs) Talking about failure, um, you know, I was reading a quote uh, about failure that is not the opposite of success, it is a part of success. And actually, when you make decisions, uh, you might really screw up and uh, royally sometimes. So, have there been situations where you know, you have messed up and actually you have learned from that situation. What, what was the learning?
1: Yeah, so if you look at um, one of the things that I don't do internally, and people ask this a lot, is that I don't sign off on new food. I don't actually sign off on marketing campaigns. I don't sign off on the physical look and feel of our restaurants. We have um, a very clear vision of what we're trying to achieve. But then also underneath that, within um, the business, we have a very clear strategic direction. Um, but there's been a couple of times when I've been asked to sign off on stuff and one of the biggest mistakes that myself and um, the CMO Alistair at the time who's now CMO for a big part of the global business um, we got the mood of the nation completely wrong we signed off on an advert um, that was called Dad internally which was about um, a young boy who had lost his dad um, sadly and it was him on his journey to McDonald's and how his dad had related to certain things and how he was always trying to live up to his dad we put that situation in the McDonald's environment. It was, it was a lovely advert, but we just misread um, the mood of uh, and, and, mm. and just got it completely wrong. And um, one thing I learned was, to be honest, um, you know, we, we immediately the next day pulled the advert, apologized, um, and you reflect, and then I got asked some really strange questions with, you know, have you sacked the agency, Have you sacked the CMO? Um, and no, I mean, I think for me, the moment you do those sort of things is when you stop taking the risks and you yeah. stop stop learning from your failures. we pushed. We were trying to push the brand forward, um, and in that state, stage, we pushed too far, entered into the wrong area, and there was a disconnect. And I think, but if you overreact, um, you know, then you, you end up in, the, in a situation where we were probably in 2000 when we, we were kind of hamstrung by not trying new stuff as a brand. And I learned a lot yeah. in those early days by watching the brand have a fear of trying stuff mm. um, because we was in, you know, in the press for the wrong reasons and, and stuff like that. So not overreacting is important. And making sure that you react at the right time and in an appropriate way. And then be very supportive as well
0: okay I'll, I'm going to move on to talk about now diversity and inclusion, so you have recently joined the WHTL advisory board and yeah, thank very you for no, coming on board It's very exciting to have you. Um, how important is diversity uh, to you? There is a lot of talk about you know having diverse mm. teams, diverse leadership and but actually, what is the value that diversity mm. brings to the organization, and have you seen performance get better mm. as a result of Supporting diversity efforts in your organisation?
1: Yeah, so I think firstly, um, it's amazing um, what the organisation is trying to shine a light on and, and for all the right reasons. But I think for me, in certainly if you look at the journey I've been on throughout my career, I've been lucky that I've worked for a brand that's always had diversity and inclusion in our restaurants. I think one of the things that we needed to do was to go on a journey in head office. That's been tougher, which we can come on to talk about. But reflecting the societies in which you, you work and operate and where your customers are is important. So that plays through right away through to, you know, in East Finchie, a head office. We need to be representative of our customers, of our franchisees, and of the people that work in our restaurants. And I think many times, if you don't have that, you can't then connect with your customers, you can't then connect with your people. And as you said at the start, we've got 125,000 people uh, working in our restaurants. If they only see, a white middle-aged you know, male board, then they're not gonna connect with that. So I think making sure that you've got the right um, diversity is, is important for, for your people and your customers. But then secondly, it brings a very diverse, naturally, thought process. And it means that you, you have different people with different opinions and different backgrounds, and it allows you to take more risk. And part of the success over the last five years of me not mucking it up, has been that we've had different views around the exec table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we've been on a journey to get my more diverse diversity around the exec table, um, which I've been pleased with the progress we've made so far, but we're not finished yet. But importantly, right away through the organization now, up until exec level, we pretty much have 50-50 gender diversity. And then the last bit we still need to work on is the ethnicity, as we've talked about before. That's yeah. That's been a tougher hurdle. And mm-hmm. we're working with the headhunters to, you know, they've got a role to play as well because we need to see the CVs that are from diverse backgrounds and diverse cultures. I think society now needs to be a lot more representative um, of the organizations and also of the brands that work within those local communities because otherwise Mm. you you become disconnected. And then the danger is that your business performance will suffer because you don't understand how people are feeling and how they want to operate.
0: Uh, what are some of the practical things that you have done to create an inclusive environment uh, a, around your uh, um, board? I know you've tried things like not chairing executive meetings, yeah, sitting yeah. and watching everybody else. Yeah. Uh, um, and that has given you a different mm. perspective. You know, how has that landed? You know, is, yeah. is, are you still doing it? Is that yeah, so I, don't,
1: can- I haven't chaired a, an executive meeting for nearly two years. Um, and we we, we rotate the chair um, and they never ask for me to come back which probably tells you something so I've not been given the task of chairing a meeting for nearly two years Um, the other thing that I pride myself on is um, the culture side so creating a culture that's open um, and flexible for everyone um, is important we still need to run the business so you need to have guardrails and and principles around what that flexibility means uh, what openness means um, but making sure that the culture that you create um, feels good for everyone um, is critical. We've also done some positive steps around you know, women in lead- leadership, as an example, where we've had a, a program that's been designed to give women um, a better voice um, and and training. And the program has been so good that you know we've, we've now got a lot of the male colleagues saying that they want to have part of that training and development. Um, so we've done some positive steps to kind of um, sort of turbocharge the culture element. And then the, the final bit is people like myself and, and the leadership, actually leading by example. And one of the most refreshing things I heard is that when I, not long after I took over, um, I left um, a senior cross-functional meeting, bang on five o'clock, to go and pick my oldest son up from nursery. Um, and the meeting was due to run till 4.45, and it was already 15 minutes late. So I said, I'm sorry, I've got to go. Um, and unbeknownst to me, after I left the meeting, um, about three or four mums and dads then also left, but they were all in fear that, basically, is he going to leave or not? Yeah. Um, and I left that meeting. I think it's one of the things that symbolically went around the office, yeah. that it's fine yeah. and you've got permission to put your family first um, yeah. because you can't be 100% to everything all the time. So I think creating that culture around um, stuff is important. And then people like me that work within our HR team, as you know, have been a fantastic role model to to really shine a light on how we can create cultures that are inviting to different backgrounds and different ethnicities. And I think people need role models internally. And I think picking those role models that we have and then shining a light on how successful they've been, it breeds that sort of um, attraction that people want to come and work for you. And it's been the same in our franchise community where we've suddenly sort of broke the back of being able to recruit women as franchisees. We've now gone above 10%. Um, which doesn't sound a huge amount, but the industry average average is around seven. And we were probably at five, three or four years ago. So for us to break um, 10% of our franchisees being women, suddenly we're now starting to attract more and more women into the franchise community, which is great.
0: Yeah. I like the story you shared with me a few weeks ago uh, when you were asked to attend, I think it was a meeting in Asia, and uh, you said you had to check with your wife Mm. first because you had made other commitments the same month and um, so so talking about that modeling the right Mm. you know behavior and then setting the example for people around you Mm. who are are watching are watching what you do and are watching what you say are watching how how you behave a um, few things you know you talk about uh, um, four core principles mm. that you have always followed in your life and balance mm. uh, is is one of them and specifically about uh, balance with between work and and family um, so just tell me a little bit mm. more about that balance so, you know you talked about your wife having a very senior role yeah. you know I've seen that she started a new job yeah. you know this yeah, year just, so yeah, started, big yeah. responsibilities and same in budgets and travel and 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 people how do you manage that balance and how do you manage those joint responsibilities uh, as, as parents
1: yeah so we um one of the things that when I took this job that Natalie and I agreed is that it wouldn't um, muck up Or impact too much on the family unit. I mean, we. So William was um, three years old when I took the job, and Oliver, as I said, was like a few months old. And we we agreed that it needed to continue to work in the same way, which has been that both of us, throughout our career, have prioritised each other's um, careers. So me being flexible at the right time is important for Natalie, Um, and for Natalie to be successful in her career, I need to show that I'm I'm going to be flexible and and. And, and take the lion's share of you know, some of the, the stuff like the you know, parents evenings and shows and all of that stuff and the, the event you're talking about was that we Natalie and I have to give up time for each other's career so um, we have designated weeks where we can't move um, because of our global commitments in both businesses but this was a week that I'd given up to Natalie to, to book what she needed to book um, and I was going to be at home for, for the 10 days and so when I got the email um, from our global boss is saying you've got to go on a benchmarking trip to China. A lot of other people reply saying, "Yep, great!" Um, immediately, which is obviously wrong because it can't have been great when you just had your diary crashed. But I replied to all and said, "Look, I need to check with Natalie, and because um, so I've given her that those ten days to to travel herself, and she mm. started a new job. So I spoke to Nat, and she, you know, she has actually committed to to travel. I think she's you know, obviously now with the coronavirus, and that may be different." Yeah. However, you know, I went back and said, sorry, I can't make it. Um, and you've got to have the strength of character to stick by your principles. And I've done that even before, you know, we had children, we prioritised health and wellbeing. And even before Natalie and I got together, I used to prioritise, you know, getting to see my friends uh, and going to the gym, going to watch my beloved Tottenham Hotspur. Um, although at the moment, the way they're playing, it's not, it's not that exciting to go and watch. But making sure that you carve out time for your own you know, sanity and well-being is important. And I'm very clear that you can't work at 100% you know, all, all the, the time. time. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You burn yourself out. And whatever I always say to people, whatever it is that helps you relax, you've got to find time for that. Whether it's you know, Pilates mm-hmm. or yoga or the gym or walking or being with your family and friends, people need to have that time. I think the toughest thing now is in the modern world, you know, when I first joined... You had to dial back in using a modem and all that sort of stuff, and no one did. So you left at six, and then between six and eight in the morning, you were left alone, whereas now with the technology. All, so we've got new principles time. around we don't now email each other between seven at night and seven in the morning, and we try not to. We, we try not to email each other at the weekends as well. And then meetings run from 10 till four um, so that people have time in the morning to pick up email, and then also time at the end of the day to, to finish email before they go home. Because I think you see people, you know, I, my office overlooks East Finchley Tube Station. It's a fascinating people watch in the morning where you've got hundreds of people all standing, staring at the floor and staring at their phones, all connected. No one's talking. Yeah. You know, no one's reading yeah. papers anymore. So I yeah. think trying to create time where people can catch up on email yeah. uh, before they get home and then leave work at the front door is important.
0: We touched upon the customer's perspective a mm. little bit early on and I just want to bring you back to that point do you think that having diverse representation matters from a customer's perspective do, do they care
1: yes definitely and if you sit in a focus group um, behind a glass screen they, they won't call out that it matters to them in that moment so you're not going to hear un- unlikely unless it's probed that you know, McDonald's having a diverse leadership team or a diverse franchisee group is important to them. But what they see in the restaurant where you know, where it really matters is the experience they get is come from a diverse culture that understands them. So, you know, whether that's you know, gender balance, ethnicity, you can't please your customers in the modern world if you don't understand where they're coming from. And I think the holy grail for... All big brands like McDonald's, is to try and make customers feel special and unique every visit. And you said earlier, we we serve over 4 million people a day, um, and making everyone feel like a a true customer and an individual is really difficult. And if you don't understand those individuals, it's very difficult to do that. And in the world of tech, where a lot of people interact with you on tech, um, knowing when to have that human interaction is also critical, and how you then interact with people is really important. So when someone comes into our restaurant... And sees a retiree of 85, there's a connection. So that, you know, that, that, that older man or that older lady that wants to come in for their breakfast, there's a connection. And the same way if they come in and see someone with disability working in our restaurants, there's a connection. Um, and I'm very open when I'm, you know, in the restaurants talking to people about, you know, my own problems and challenges that I'm dealing with. And you find out a huge amount from your crew by being open with them. And again, the same for our customers. A lot of our customers will share um, their most inner secrets with our crew and if there's a re- reaction and re- a relationship there um, that builds that trust which is so important for brands like McDonald's.
0: This month we're celebrating International Women's Day how is McDonald's celebrating?
1: So we have a big event on the, the day itself on a Sunday which I think is great um, we have a big event on the Monday where you know we have uh, June Sapong coming in, in um, to talk to us um, she's going to host an event with myself um, hopefully we'll be able to play um, some of the podcast um, out live to, to our business as well um, and then we're going to also uh, recognise our you know, our most influential women within in that day as well make sure that we use it as a spring ball the day itself is a great um, uh, occasion where you can celebrate but also then use it as a spring ball to launch a few things within the business which Meta and the HR team are working on as well um, so yeah, watch this space but it's, it's a great day Um, to celebrate um, and also make sure that again we do it in an appropriate way um, and it feels real and genuine um, to everyone that works within East Finchley and across our restaurants.
0: Great so if you could step into my shoes what would you have asked yourself that I didn't?
1: (laughs) Um, What would I ask myself? Probably... um, what's the toughest thing that you know the boys have uh have got you to do um <laughs> or, and what's the most embarrassing thing that you've done uh, for the boys as well um so the, the, and what the, is it <laughs> so the the toughest thing is um we've talked about this but you, you want them to grow up happy um but you need them to grow up within a framework that gives them the right um step in the world so you know loving them when, when they're being naughty um, is the most important thing that you have to do as a parent. Unconditional
0: that, love. Unconditional
1: yeah. love. Um, and people talk about it, but until you've been a parent, it's tough to know what that means. And then the bit that's been the, the, probably the funniest moment is when I threatened my oldest that if he didn't behave himself that I would do um, a, a dad dance um, at one of his school events. And uh, it's probably the quickest I've ever seen him get his shoes on. For sure. So uh, <laughs> doing the dad dance. He was, he was in fear of me doing some odd dance.
0: Um, Fabulous So um, finally What's your favourite word Do you have a favourite word and why
1: No so I think um, It's not a favourite word but the bit that we guard Against a lot um, in McDonald's At the moment it's not a favourite word but it's a word that I keep Close um, is complacency Um, And sometimes complacency Can get misinterpreted As people thinking that I believe that they're not Working hard Um, and that's not not True everyone uh, in McDonald's Works hard but I think we are now the market leader um, in our sector, um, if not in retail, in terms of the results we've had. And that creates a different mindset and a different energy level that's required. So one of the things I guard a lot against is complacency. Um, and it's natural because you know we've been growing now for you know, nearly 15 years, consecutive quarters, uh, and it takes a lot of energy to keep, keep that going. But I think when you are the market leader, it means that people now copy what we try to do um they'll copy some of the cultural stuff that we're trying to do they'll copy some of the physical stuff that we're doing in our restaurants but guarding against us slowing down i've seen that in the business um in my early days where it's easy to to take longer to make a decision it's easier to um deliberate longer over something because you you feel like you've got more time and i think that's a danger with any any successful business that you know you should treat every situation as if you've got your back against, against the wall and you're still trying to become market leader. And so complacency is probably my number one word at the moment. I'm not saying it's my favourite, but it's something I guard against.
0: Okay, thank you. Paul, thank you for sharing your story and views with us. A personal thank you for being my first guest my on the Voice of Leaders podcast series and for supporting the work that we do at WIHTL. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Visit our website to find out more about the work that we do to promote diversity and inclusion across hospitality, travel and leisure and also to check who our next speaker will be. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast series. Thank you and goodbye.